Well, you guys can have a seat. Everybody doing well? Yeah, it's freezing outside, right? Like, you guys are suffering out there. Hope everybody's okay. You wore your jackets. Whew. I almost installed a fireplace this week, but I'll, I'll wait till next week. It might get a little colder. I'm just kidding. Um, the holidays are upon us, though, aren't they? Christmas is here. And with Christmas comes uh, gift giving, right? You guys out shopping? Is anybody out shopping and getting gifts? Where are my gift givers? Where are the people that give? You're really good at it. Like, that's my jam. That means everybody with their hand down is like not your thing, right? I'm, I'm, that's, you know, you're my equal, okay? We, we're talking the same language. Uh, I'm not the best gift giver. I wish I was. Uh, it makes my spouse look amazing every year. It makes me look awful. Uh, but, um, I will say, I think I get it from my mom. I think it's a hereditary thing. She's not here today, so I get to talk about her. Um, I remember when I was like 11 years old, I want to say, um, we were nestled against the tree and like opening presents and uh, fire was going. And I don't know if you all ever know, like my mom didn't, she didn't make breakfast. I know some of you guys make breakfast in the morning for Christmas or cinnamon buns or something. She wasn't that way. It was just right to the gifts, which that's the way we liked it. And so we're up early, we're opening gifts. And I think like the fifth present in, we uh, ran across some beef jerky. Okay. How many of y'all like beef jerky? Like, I mean, it was just, we weren't messing around. And so we didn't have breakfast us as kids we start tearing up that beef jerky, right? Um, and I think we're going through the first can. We're kind of moving into the second can. And my mom starts laughing, right? And I was like, okay, like, what, what are you laughing about? She said, how is that beef jerky? And I was like, it's got a little odd taste. Why are you asking how is the beef jerky? Um, and she pulls out another can that had the real label on it that was dog jerky, okay? <laughs> So we were like going, like I said, we're going in a third can. I looked at her, I was like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I'm not opening any more gifts. I don't trust you at all. <laughs> right? Uh, I think we forgave her. We got over it. But I will say it was nasty, and I, I don't ever want to see dog jerky ever again. But um, there are uh, things about gifts that y'all need to know, and some of them need to be canceled, okay? Like some gifts actually need to be canceled for 2022. Maybe you already bought your gift. There's still time to take it back. Uh, I, I looked it up. The number one gift that needs to be canceled is tiny hands for tiny hands, okay? That's the number one gift that needs to be canceled. It should not be allowed. Like tiny hands is already weird enough, right? It's kind of weird. It's kind of over with, but tiny hands for tiny hands, that needs to be taken off. The next one is the ugly sweater, okay? That, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to give somebody an ugly sweater on Christmas, because then you're going to put it away. It's ugly. You just need to throw it away. Don't do that for, let's get over this ugly sweater thing. The next one, the third one, is a croc cell phone case. So crocs are already ugly enough, much less for a cell phone case, right? Can you guys agree that Crocs are kind of ugly? Just a little bit, you know, they're kind of fun. Uh, another gift that needs to be canceled, what's the third one? Yeah, an ashtray that looks like lungs. Now, I get it. If you're trying to get people to stop smoking, it's not a bad idea. 
but it probably needs to be canceled. It's kind of rude. You're talking bad about people that way. All right, the fifth one would be lightsabers for rice. Now, I know some of you are like, those are kind of cool. I think I'm going to go get myself some. <laughs> it's kind of weird, too. And they do light up like real lightsabers and all that. I'm just saying it needs to be canceled, all right? Here's what I'll tell you is I'm so glad that God is a much better gift giver than me, right? And probably than some of you. Um, Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is, bo is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Peace. The, uh, this month, we're going to be pulling from this passage in Isaiah. From this verse, we get to see a picture of the promised Savior. Excuse me. And the names that were given to him that would not only describe what he would be, but also what he would do. Isaiah was speaking prophetically nearly 800 years before Jesus was born. The period of history was a tumultuous time. Y'all remember we talked about Jonah just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was a similar type of atmosphere where this, and the Assyrians were on the march and they were taking people into captivity by the drove. Uh, King Ahaz uh, was, was considering forces. He was in charge of God's people at the time. He was the king at the time. And he was considering joining forces with, the, with Assyria, which would have been a dramatic effect on the nation. Isaiah's prophecy gave the people of God hope that they desperately needed. A child would be born to fulfill the Davidic covenant, and he would bear the titles Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So the words child and son kind of represent uh, his humanity. It kind of shows that this is going to be a real human that's going to be born. Um, and then the government being on his shoulders, I know a lot of people like try to use this scripture as like the government. We talk about, we think about like um, all the government of today where they collect taxes and, um, you know, we have the, the Republican and the Democrat and all that kind of stuff it has nothing to do with that kind of government. This is speaking of uh, the kingdom that was, was happening. It was kingdom talk, if you will. It's kind of like, um, do you remember when John the Baptist, right, he said uh, to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand? He was speaking, this was kingdom talk, and what he was saying was change your mind about the way things have been. You're going to have to change the way you view things. There's going to be a king that's going to come, and we need to prepare the way for him. That's kind of, there's even little symbolisms with John the Baptist where uh, he was eating locusts and honey, and some of that, they try to say, uh, represents a time of famine and a time of judgment, whereas the honey represents a time of fulfillment, a time of overflow, Right? And so this is, talk, this is all kingdom talk that's going on back as, as far as talking about the government. It says, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This word wonderful means Pele, not like soccer, Pele, but uh, it means a wonder astonishingly extraordinary and hard to be understood. The word wonderful in this passage literally means incomprehensible. And Isaiah was saying, when the Messiah arrives, he will cause the world to be full of wonder. Then this, this word counselor, in the Greek it means yawets, which means to advise, counsel, or exhort, or to admonish. And the holidays, like I said, they're upon us, right? Christmas is here, and that means uh, possibly some of you might either be 
going to go see in-laws or in-laws might be coming into town. Um, and some of it can be dramatic when those kind of things happen. Can everybody agree that sometimes when you get together with family, it can be a little dramatic, whether before, during, or after? Usually, with, I, I try to protect myself from going over with my family because usually it turns into like a scene with Beast and Gaston, somebody's up against the wall kind of thing, right? I won't say who the Beast and who the Gaston are, but somebody ends up getting a little crazy. But for some of you, thinking about the holidays makes you want to schedule an appointment with a counselor. Can we all agree? Right? You're like, man, I, need to, I probably need to go ahead and get that in. I'm a little bit concerned about what's going to happen. And there's plenty of scriptures that talk about the benefits of counseling. Proverbs 12:15, it says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 11:14, it says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs 19:20, it says, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs 24, 6, it says, and in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. How many of you have ever had uh, bad counsel before? Like you, you can tell that wasn't probably the best counsel uh, that you got from somebody. I know I have. Uh, I remember I got out of the ministry probably, I think it was 2013. And I remember going and seeing uh, somebody that uh, was going to give me some advice. And I remember spending time with them. And one of the things they told me after I kind of shared my story, my, man, I had a really hard time uh, doing this uh, ministry thing. And, and one of the things they told me was, Matt, like, don't you just hate people? And I remember thinking to myself, no, no, I don't hate people. And I'm not going to be that way. And I'm not going to go that route. And just because you go through things doesn't mean you have to hate people, right? I could tell instantly that that was bad advice. I had another time just a few years after that where I had a friend of mine call me from Arizona and, and spoke a lot of things over me and said, hey, Matt, what are you doing? And at the time, I was actually hanging siding on my house and stuffing insulation it because it was freezing in Ohio. It was Christmas time, and I'm stuffing all this insulation, and I said, I'm actually just putting siding on the house. And this guy that I trusted said, Matt, I believe you need to get back into ministry. I believe that you're, you're wasting your time. You're thinking that you can run from this whole thing, and I met somebody that reminds me of you, and you need to get back into ministry. And I could tell I, it kind of softened my heart, and I could tell is like, man, I, I think he's right. You know, I trusted it. And it was good counsel. So there's bad counsel and there's good counsel. And today we're talking about the wonderful counselor. Most people, when they think of a counselor, they can think of somebody sitting there, right? Can you guys agree? Like you think of somebody sitting there and kind of taking notes and listening to somebody. Um, but the biblical meaning of the word counselor goes way past that. The word counselor means one who has plans. It means one who has plans. A 2,700 years ago, a counselor was a government official who had plans for days ahead. He knew where the roads were going to be laid. A counselor was a valuable ally. When advised by a counselor, you could make decisions not based on what used to be nor what is, you could base your decisions on what was going to be. A counselor wasn't guessing, he knew. A counselor was an advisor who had plans for the future. Jesus was not a normal counselor. He not only had, or he not only knew the past, but he had plans for the future. 
Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18. It says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and when I was made in secret and skillfully route in the lowest parts of the earth. We're going to stop there. Now, Matt, this is great, right? Like, what an awesome thing that Isaiah wrote 2,700 years ago. It was great. I'm glad that he wrote that. And then Jesus was here, and he was a great counselor while he was here 2,000 years ago, right? But it's kind of like those gifts that I talked about at the beginning. Like, they're, they're, they're kind of like, it's kind of a useless gift unless Jesus was here, like, it doesn't really make any difference that he was a great counselor to the disciples and the, the people that fed the 5,000 and all that. Like, that was great, but how is that actually going to help me today? What good is a wonderful counselor if he's no longer around? In fact, what good is knowing that he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, or a prince of peace if he's gone? To me, it goes back to something kind of odd that Jesus said. Right? In fact, according to the Gospel of Matthew, it was the last thing that he said. In Matthew 28, 20, in the Living Bible, it says, And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Okay, so that's kind of an odd thing to say, right? Like, he's about to take off. It'd be like, hey, I'm going to go up to 7-Eleven, but not really. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to stay here. Or, hey, I'm going up to the store for real, but not for real. I'm just kidding. Um, hey, I gots to go. No, I, I got to stay. It's kind of an odd thing to say. Would you guys agree? But three thoughts I thought about about this uh, scripture. Either Jesus was lying, right? Like Jesus was probably lying about that. Um, or he's really good at hide and seek, and we just have not found him yet. Maybe he's hiding in a cave, or maybe he's somewhere else. Or the third thing about this is maybe he really meant what he said. I'm going to say that again. So the first one would be either he was lying, either he's really good at manhunt, or he really meant what he said. John 16, 5 through 7, it says, But now I'm going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart, Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. So as he shares this last meal, if you guys can picture this, as he's sharing this last meal with his disciples, just hours before his betrayal and death, Jesus drops a bombshell. And he is going to leave his followers behind. And Jesus assures them, however, that he will not abandon them but will provide them a counselor. And if you read uh, about Jesus, he never actually called himself a counselor. A counselor. And in fact, he said, it's for your benefit that I go away so that the counselor will be sent to you. The Amplified says more than just benefit. It says profitable. It says good. It says expedient. It says advantageous. And that word expedient Okay, it means fit or suitable for the purpose. It means proper under the circumstances. Proper under the circumstances. I'll come back to that. John 14, 16, in the CSB translation, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. 
The expression another counselor means another counselor of the same kind as the first. This signifies that Jesus was the first counselor and the spirit would be the same kind of counselor. Therefore, even though Jesus is not here in the flesh, the Holy Spirit is here and is our constant companion to guide, help, empower every believer of Christ for the task ahead. Jesus identified this wonderful counselor as the source that leads into all truth, for it is the spirit that reveals the truth about God. CJB translation says, Another comforting counselor like me, the spirit of truth to be with you forever. The CEB translation says, Another companion. The contemporary English Bible It never even says the word counselor. It says, then I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who will help you and always be with you. The Amplified, it says, and I ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, and a standby to be with you forever. This is why Jesus in Matthew 28, 20, he had the full confidence that he was going to be with us even to the end of the world. And my question today is, why is this counselor so wonderful? Why is Pele Yawitz, right, incomprehensible? Why is he incomprehensible? The counselor is incomprehensible, number one, because of who he is. Who he is. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was a good counselor. He was a good counselor. But he was limited. He could only be in so many places at once. Like if he was still here on earth, like I don't know if he'd be in a palace. (laughs) I don't know if he'd have a hut. I don't know if he'd like just have a brick ranch. I don't really know what he'd have. But it would be really hard to go see him, especially when we all have needs at different times. Right? And so that's what he's saying here is it's better that I go away because I'm going to send somebody that can be with you all the time that can help you and counsel you just like I am while I'm here today. I'm going to send somebody else. But you want to know the difference between a good counselor and a wonderful counselor? It's one who is with you forever. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If Jesus would not have left, we would not have been able to abide with him or with him, no, him with us forever. And not just us, but all who call on the name of the Lord for all time. The second reason the counselor is incomprehensible is because of number two, what he does. And here's what I can tell you is I can tell you what he doesn't do. Okay, I always believe in that. Like sometimes it's great to know what God does. It's great to know what Jesus does. It's great to know what the Holy Spirit does. But I can tell you what he doesn't do. John 16, verse 7 through 15 It says, but here's the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released. That's still talking about the the counselor. But after I depart, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will expose sin. And some people stop there, and they're like, oh, see, like that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray for the Holy Spirit to expose the world's sin. We've got to pray that, man. We've got to pray that sin is exposed, that it's brought out, that that's what we're supposed to do. And I've seen people stop there over and over. I used to pray those prayers. Man, I pray that they will be convicted of their sin and they'll come to repentance, right? But this word expose, it means to convict or it means to bring to light. And I love that this verse didn't stop there. 
I love that it kept going. It says, and, to, and prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments. Can I say that again? The world, and prove that the world has got it wrong about his righteousness and his judgments. And I, and I present to, to you today, today that not only has the world got it wrong about his righteousness and his judgments, but some churches have it wrong about his righteousness and his judgments. Some of them do. And I'm so thankful that, that we can see that, right? And um, the Holy Spirit didn't come that the world will feel bad about moral sin. And in fact, the Holy Spirit, this kind of helps people, the Holy Spirit isn't weird, okay? All I can tell you is it's not weird. Christians can make it weird because they were weird before they got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? Be and, and the reason why I said it is the world already feels bad enough, okay? Like, the world already feels bad. I remember before I knew the Lord, I didn't need somebody to come tell me that I was sinning. I didn't need somebody to point it out. I, need, I didn't need somebody to come tell me, hey, did you know that you've done some bad things? No, I needed to know that God loved me. I needed to know that there was still a chance that there's some way that he would forgive me of everything that I've done. And not only, not only that, not realizing that he had already forgiven me. I needed to know those things. I needed to know that there was a possibility that him and I could be connected. Not, hey, you know that you're doing all these things wrong. I don't need to know that. And the world doesn't need to know that. And we don't need to be praying that way. Let's keep reading. Verse, verse 9, it says, sin, because if they refuse to believe in who I am. Notice it's not sins, plural. It's only one sin, singular. And notice they refuse to believe in who I am. This sin of unbelief is the only sin that the Holy Spirit exposes. And I want you to know, when I was out there, before I knew God, I knew and I felt all the time the Holy Spirit constantly reminding me that, man, all you got to do is just believe in me. All you got to do is just believe that I am who I say I am. It's that simple. Verse 10 God's righteousness, because I'm going back to join the Father. The Holy Spirit didn't arrive to make people try and work for their righteousness, but so that they would know how righteous they already are. That's something that you can pray for yourself. Holy Spirit, help me to remember how righteous I already am. I don't feel righteous, but Holy Spirit, I need you to remind me of those things. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have reached the pinnacle of our righteousness. I've said that before. Why? Because as righteous as God has given us his righteousness. You guys know the scripture. I was talking about John the Baptist, and it's when John baptized him. Jesus came up from the water, and he said, this is my, you know, Holy Spirit came down, heavens open, just to explain the story. And God spoke to John the Baptist and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And what I want you to know, I've heard people say for years and years, man, I hope one day when I get to heaven that God's going to speak that over me. I hope that one day he's going to say, man, the heavens open and God, I, I just want to be well pleasing. And what I want you to know, if Jesus is in you, you are. You are well pleased because of the work that he did. He finished the work. 
He looks at you just like he looks at Jesus. And judgment, because verse 11, it says, and judgment because the ruler of this dark world has already received his sentence. Judgment, right? A lot of people think, well, God needs to judge us. Listen, the only person that God has judged here is the enemy. It says, and judgment because the ruler of this dark world has already received his sentence. The Holy Spirit didn't come that the, uh, to judge the world or Christians. It's Satan that has been judged, not believers. He, it says that he is a defeated foe. He is a roaring lion. And do you all know anything about roaring lions? That's okay. I'll tell you about roaring lions. Um, roaring lions. So the, uh, over in that time, uh, a roaring lion is considered uh, a lion that's old, that's aged. Okay, and all he can do is just go around and roar. He can't actually catch up to the prey. He can't actually hurt the prey. He's lost most of his teeth. And what he does is he roars so that the prey think that he's coming around the corner, and then they run in, and then the young lionesses attack this prey. And that's what I want you to know. That's all the enemy can do because he's already judged. He can just walk around and pretend like he actually has some kind of power and we can believe that he has some kind of power, and that's, that's the, uh, the trick there. But realizing that he actually has already been judged and that he doesn't have any power is where God wants us to live. Um, I threw this in there. I don't know if this story helps, but uh, I used to play a little bit of football in high school. And uh, I remember during the spring, uh, spring time when we were practicing for it, um, uh, I was a free safety, and they had these running backs, Okay. And if you know anything about free safeties and running backs, running backs are typically the guys that you don't want to run into. That's why they're running backs. They're big guys that can hurt you, okay? And so typically, sometimes they're little and they can move around and all that stuff. But there was this one guy named Claude, okay? Anybody with the name Claude is probably going to be a pretty tough guy. I'm just letting you know. And uh, I remember watching him work out, and I thought, this guy, uh, he's probably going to destroy me out on the field. And, I mean, he's super strong. And when we got out there, um, they had these drills where we would just run right into each other, okay? I thought it was the stupidest drill in the whole world. I'm like, why are we running into each other, okay? And, I mean, you get a lot of speed. And I would run up to this guy, Claude, and then he would literally, like, knock me over. And the reason why he would throw me on the ground was because I would run, and then I would just hold real tight, right? And then he would just, boom, and just, you know, knock me way on the ground. I mean, I'd, I'd about see stars every time. And I remember one time in the locker room, he's like, Matt, he's like, why do you just stop? Why don't you just hit me? And I'm like, because you're probably, it's probably going to hurt way worse. And he's like, no. He's like, I encourage you, try to hit me. And I remember the next time I went out there, um, I ran as fast as I could and just hit right back. And I realized I actually took him to the ground. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought that every time I hit this guy, um, it was just going to hurt way, wor way worse. And what I didn't realize is I had the power to actually stand up to somebody that was three times my size. And that's what I want you to know about the enemy is it's all just an image in your head that you actually have the power to be able to stand up to him every time. You can take the enemy down. And actually, he's already defeated. Um, John 16, 12 through 13, it says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, and he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, has two jobs. Everybody say two jobs. Two jobs. Number one, he reminds us of things. 
okay? When is a time that we need to, to remember some things? In a time of weakness, we need to remember that as he is, so are we. In a time of sorrow, we need to remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In a time of condemnation, we need to know that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, who walk after the spirit. In a time of fear, I have not begun with the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And here's what I will tell you is, even if you can't remember scripture, you can still remember things that God can tell you. The Holy Spirit is still speaking and still reminding you of things. Hey, I love you. Hey, I took care of you that one time. I haven't abandoned you now. I'm going to be with you forever, right? That's why the Holy Spirit had to be here on the earth, because there are circumstances that are not in the Bible, right? Like you can't go open up the Ten Commandments and be like, well, what am I supposed to do here, right? My wife is acting crazy. I don't see a scripture about that. I'm sure it's the other way around, right? It's usually the husbands. I got that backwards. My husband's acting crazy. What do I do here? We needed a counselor to guide us. The second job of the wonderful counselor is he shows us things to come. And if there was ever a time to need a counselor to show us things to come, the time is now. Could you all agree? Like crazy times are happening. And we do need a counselor. We need one that is beyond the counselor that we have to make an appointment with. We need a counselor that can be with us at all times and give us advice and help show us what's ahead. He knows the plans. How many of y'all have seen the movie Bagger Vance? Anybody seen the movie Bagger Vance? Okay, I'm not promoing it, but I'm just letting you know. I thought it was a decent movie. You have to be at least 13 to go watch the movie, okay? Um, so Bagger Vance, is, uh, it's got two different actors in there, main actors, uh, Matt Damon and uh, Will Smith, okay? Matt Damon is the professional golfer, um, and he goes off to war, okay? And when he comes back, uh, he had already done quite a few tournaments, and he'd done really well, and he'd made a name for himself. But when he got out of war, he'd lost his swing, he'd lost his confidence, he'd lost everything about golfing that was enthusiastic for him, Okay? And it was real interesting. He's in the back. So the, the town makes this tournament. It's during the, um, during the Depression. And this town makes, the, makes a tournament that's going to bring a lot of publicity to the town. And they decided they wanted somebody local, um, which was Matt Damon. They're like, we're going to bring somebody out and come help us. What, he was in the back of his house, and he was drunk, and he was playing cards, and he was just not thinking about anything other than the moment. Um, because he was just tired of things. And this little boy went back to where he was at, and he started telling Matt Damon, he said, no, he said, the town wants you to come play for us, and it's because you hit the ball this hard, and you're this good, and you can do all these different things, right? Started reminding him of who he actually was. And then he goes out after this, and he starts swinging the ball after he kind of decides that he's going to go ahead and play this tournament. And as he's swinging, Will Smith comes walking out out of nowhere, and he, he decides he's going to be his caddy, and he's going to help him to get his swing back. Okay, so he starts helping him, and it's real funny because he goes out on the course with him, and he's kind of taunting him a little bit, but he's like, man, you can do better than this. Like, you're so much better than what you're playing right now. Um, and then I love, uh, there's this part in there that they say that the really good caddies sneak out onto the course and they study the course so that they can help um, 
the, the golfers to be able to play the course properly. And I say that because I believe that that is what's going on with the Holy Spirit. It's very similar. It's a counselor. It's somebody that knows the course ahead, knows what's ahead of you, knows what's around the corner. And you're all thinking, well, I didn't see this coming. But there was somebody that studied the course enough and is giving you advice and that you can lean on and trust and can help remind you of who you are and that you can accomplish these things. Um, it's a similar to a counselor. What kind of counselor, I kind of have a, a little phrase I want to go through here, but what kind of counselor knows how many hairs are on your head? What kind of counselor knew you before you were in your mother's womb? What kind of counselor knew you before the earth was created? What kind of counselor reminds you not of what you have done, but of what he has done for you? What kind of counselor always has your best interest? What kind of counselor gives you 24-7 unlimited visits? He is always available. He is confident, confidential, and you can trust him. It is not just good advice. He has the plans, and he has made the plans. There is no deductible you never get pointed to his voicemail? What kind of counselor would give their life for you? This isn't just a prophecy about a little child or a, or a son that's been given. It's about a helper. It's about a comforter. It's about an advocate. It's about an intercessor. It's about a strengthener. It's about a standby to be with you forever. The incomprehensible one has plans for you. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. God is the best gift giver. Amen? He knows what needs we have even before we ask. <laughs> oh. Let me pray over y'all before we go. God, we just thank you. Why don't you all stand with me? Trust in you, God. God, we thank you, God, for your goodness. You can lift your hands with me. God, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you saw the course ahead. You saw the hardships ahead, God. You saw the things that were coming around the corner that we couldn't see. You saw that person getting sick. You saw that accident or that injury. God, you saw this moment in time that we were launched into the sand that we didn't see coming, God. But I, I want you to know you're right there with us. You're our standby, and you're going to help us to get out of this. We trust in you. We thank you, God, that you're speaking to everybody in here. And God, you know what plans you have for us, and they're good, and they're prosperous. And we love you, God. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.